Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Today on CityCast Boise, it's Friday and I've got Morning Edition's George Prentice with me to dig into the week's news. We're talking where mayoral candidates stand on a lawsuit about homelessness, a very Boise campaign ad, and BPD says this burglary suspect could be targeting women. It's Friday, October 20th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, George. Hi, Emma. Happy Friday. I know. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) I was just saying that I really don't have a Friday. Um... In that I work most days, but I still embrace the idea of Friday. Yeah, the vibe of Friday. Yes. Yeah, for when when I was doing comedy full time, Friday was like the start of my week a lot of times, like sometimes Thursday, but like Friday's like midweek for a comedian, you know? I bet. So uh, it was always like usually I would travel Wednesday, perform Thursday, Friday, Saturday, travel home Sunday. Is there such a thing as a Friday crowd or a Saturday crowd? Oh, absolutely. What is that? Friday. And, you know, now that I work a nine to five, I think I get it a little better, a little more intimately. Like a Friday crowd, they're tired. They're like low energy. They are, you know, they rallied and I appreciate them for that. They they got off work and still got dressed, found parking, found a sitter, came down to watch comedy. So chances are they'll probably get drunk a little quicker too, right? No, so Friday they're too sleepy. They leave early. They go home. They go to bed right after the show. They're they're tired. Saturday early show, people are ready. They're ready to party. They're like 8 p.m. early show, great. Saturday late show, people are rowdy. They're hammered. They're wild. So yeah, definitely different vibes. Thursday is like respectable. Respectable people. (laughs) Well, I'm not sleepy, so I know it's. I I know this is a Friday show, but I am not sleepy at all. Uh, I feel like I feel like that Saturday eleven (laughs) o'clock. Perfect. All right. Well, let's just dive in then, because I have been. I know you have covered this uh, story from a lot of different angles, and I'm really interested to get your feeling on it. Yeah. So let's go way back. Um, So. Some folks will remember Community House, um, which River of Life, the all-men's shelter, that's where that is. Well, Community House used to be the city-owned homeless shelter for men, women, and children. Right there, same location. That did not go well. Things were not going well there at all. And in a number of cities, that's the case, when cities try to be social workers. Uh, So the city tried to get out of that. Um, there were lawsuits involved, et cetera. So the city basically was trying to back away from that. And I think they ended up giving the property to uh, the River of Life mesh- mission for a buck, uh, as a matter of fact. So, uh, and as soon as River of Life came in, um, women and children were, were, they were told, hey, look, this is going to be a men's only shelter. And, and then they also instituted some 
some of their own rules, right, which we still debate to this day. As a result, we started seeing a number of folks, a lot more folks, without a home in Boise, without a roof over their head. And there were more than a few conversations about a tent city or the creation of a tent city. And a lot of people at City Hall were panicking uh, about that possibility. Interfaith Sanctuary bubbled up, literally. It was, uh, every night it was in a different church basement. That's why it's called Interfaith Sanctuary. So it went from church to church to church until they finally got a location there. That said, we, uh, uh, we then had the makings of folks without a roof over their head really not having a sustainable web of support, right? Yes, we had a few options, uh, but that was really the beginning of a good, robust conversation about homelessness in Boise. So uh, Martin V. Boise challenged the city of Boise's relatively new rule that said, you can't, quote unquote, camp, you can't, you can't sleep on the streets of Boise. And people may remember this because it was right about that time that we also had an anti-panhandling effort in the city of Boise. And Mike Masterson, chief of police, his fingerprints were all over that. And I would always challenge the chief at the time, what, what's the issue? By the way, if I feel okay with giving someone $5, um, isn't that my business? right? Why are you lecturing me about where that $5 goes or where it doesn't go, right? Uh, But because of a number of business owners, quite frankly, downtown business owners, who had a fair amount of uh, sway with the then Dave Beter administration, they were really pushing for more of a crackdown on uh, people who slept on the streets or spent way too much time on the streets in their eyes. So the city created uh, this new rule that you can't be out there. Well, that created this lawsuit. And it was just a handful of people who challenged this law who said, you're criminalizing homelessness. And we still, uh, that's that that's the phrase that, that we debate about uh, to this day. And they sued uh, the city of Boise. And the city basically lost Uh, It it finally went to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which basically said, you're right, you can't criminalize homelessness. So the city of Boise had to go back and change its rules that says, no, we cannot ticket anyone in the city unless every available bed is filled. If there is any possibility of of somewhere for somewhere to sleep that night, it is... uh, Law enforcement's job, number one, to steer them in that direction. And then number two, you can ticket them if someone chooses not to go somewhere where there is service. So what did that do? That actually improved the relations between the Boise police and and men, women, and kids without a home because uh, cops on a bike, cops on foot, they got to know these people by name. And they would have conversations with them. And isn't that really what the solution, you know, that's the direction we should go in. Have a conversation with someone and, and let them know about services that are available. But get to know what their their struggle is. As opposed to us from afar saying, oh, well, they're people with mental illness. Oh, they're people with an addiction. Oh, they are fill in the blank, right? 
So that's kind of where we are now. But there are some cities, Western cities, that didn't like that Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, that went after Boise's law and laws that they would like to enact that that were much like Boise's law. And so they want to they challenge this. In other words, go back to the good old days when you could ticket anybody on the street and basically, pardon my French, but criminalize homelessness again. So what was interesting was at a uh, political forum, that question was put before the candidates, and Mayor Lauren McLean said, not interested, not interested in joining the suit against that Ninth Circuit, that to fight that, that ruling. Really, really interesting. Mike Masterson uh, indicated that, oh yeah, he would be inclined uh, to join you know, that, that fight against the Ninth Circuit. Well, duh. Now we know we know why, because, I mean, yeah, he was very much a part of that enforcement. Another person who is very into this, who uh, if you just sort of to me giving some context to this lawsuit is Raul Labrador. Uh, yeah. The attorney general Raul Labrador said, hey, cities have the right to, you know, fight homelessness, uh, homeless en- encampments. And, uh, you know, he said we we need to be part of this lawsuit which is kind of just an interesting little divide there, you know. Um, and and McLean put out a statement today uh, pretty unequivocally saying, nope, not having anything to do that. We are not criminalizing ho- homelessness. That is not what we're about. So, yeah, kind of an pretty interesting. Did I did did Masterson later kind of try to walk it back a little bit, do you think? Or do you think he's really like... This is we're, we're I'm into this. I'm I'm for this lawsuit. He he said he would support it, much like uh, our former mayor would support it because the Beter administration fought that, and we and the city uh, we racked up quite a few legal bills, and we had the taxpayers had to pay those legal bills, and we had to pay the legal bills of the folks who defended it. Uh, so uh, the Ninth Circuit. So. Um, uh, including uh, a, a well-known attorney here in town, uh, Howard Belladoff, uh, who knows this, uh, you know, uh, every I that's dotted on this. So uh, a really interesting conversation. And I, what Lauren McLean is basically saying is, you know what, we're trying to work it out. Why can't we continue to try to work it out? In other words, in a one-on-one level, it's not pretty, it's not perfect, and we've got a long way to go. And no one is saying that that any one of the candidates is the champion of folks without a home. That said, um, as long as we can have a conversation with someone who does not have a roof over their head, isn't that better as opposed to legislating this and ticketing them? And uh, they end up in court and possibly in jail. And then you're off to the races. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. And it makes me think of how last week when we talked, we talked about the jail expansion. And that's my thought here is you have this jail expansion. They want to add these extra beds while, meanwhile, criminalizing homelessness. Those beds will be filled then, seems like, pretty immediately. At that same campaign event, Joe Evans, who is currently homeless and living Mm -hmm. in his van, that was his argument. He actually pointed to the jail and said, well, if we're going to go back there, you know, the chance of some of these folks ending up in jail you know, is there. Now, uh, proponents of that type of law always say, oh, no, 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 no. Those people would, would, you know, they wouldn't go to jail. They would be diverted, et cetera. That said, at the very least, they could be fined 
you know where this heads, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, and it's, it's a it mess. ends up being a black hole yeah. of yeah. legal issues that that is almost impossible to escape if you don't have money and resources and people to help you. So for the record, a number of these cities that are fighting this in this lawsuit are, I think it's fair to we could call them progressive or left-leaning cities. And these mm-hmm. are cities with chronic homeless problems, but they're trying to uh, look for solutions in the court, right? Boise's not there. Boise's mm-hmm. not there. Now we could be there. It's you know we if it gets out of reach, we could be there. But as long as it, it I've I've said this for years. As long as it's within our reach, why can't we work on this in a one-on-one uh, conversation? Uh, and it's not one, it's not even probably even a dozen solutions. It's got to be a network. Two things kind of come up here for me. One is that, you know, I feel like when you're describing the the pan the anti-panhandling law and the business owners. And by the way, do you remember that? I mean, there was even like a campaign oh, where it would like absolutely. St- like it would tell people, oh, please, you know, you need to know better. Like we know better about who you should give five dollars to. I, I it was insulting. I remember getting into, uh, you know, not an argument, but a a discussion at the farmer's market uh, with someone with, you know, who was trying to sign people up uh, in support of that law and and just being like, absolutely not. And that's kind of my issue with this is it seems like I don't know about these other cities, but I can speak for Boise and Masterson and Beter and so and Labrador and sort of some of these people who are talking about the the worrying about these tent cities and the the problems with hygiene and all these things that they cite. A lot of what they're talking about are those are superficial problems that quote unquote like normal people don't want to deal with. You know what he's talking about is is the horror of walking past a poor person on the street and and just wanting to enjoy Boise, just wanting to be downtown Boise shopping and not have to look at the pores, you know? And I think like, I'm not saying any of one of them has, has said that, but that seems to be the general vibe to me of wanting to outlaw homelessness is to shove the problem out of sight and be like, Boise is not one of those kinds of cities. And you hear that rhetoric a lot kind of coming up in this election cycle. We're not Portland. We don't want to turn into Portland, that rhetoric. And it's like that we are one of those cities now. We are one of those cities because our housing is so expensive. People are being displaced. So we're one of those cities that has a a growing unhoused population, for sure. The argument, what they'll hit you over the head with is the stereotype of the person who is urinating in front of Mm -hmm. you and swearing uh, like a sailor in front of your seven-year-old or physically assaulting you. And that is Mm -hmm. the stereotype that they will hit you over the head with. That's what they want you to be afraid of. And Mm -hmm. that's not to say that that scenario or some combination of, of that doesn't exist. But it is the exception. It, by most cases, it is the exception. And when the city tried to make a law against panhandling, and they really didn't go down the, the road of actually making a law, but then they tried this campaign, right, uh, where they said, oh, yeah, you know, why don't you just give the money to uh, these services? And by the way, God bless all those services. But again, it's my choice. And... Whenever, uh, it's interesting, whenever there's a rating period for television news, uh, someone here in Boise, one of the TV stations, always does the story where they go to a a parking lot, right, and they try to uh, 
unmask someone who is, you know, has a cardboard sign out there and is 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 out for five dollars. It's like, oh, and that person really isn't homeless. And it's like, you know, knock it off, knock it off. Yeah. Because the people who give it to them, chances are they they don't. It's like, yeah, well, maybe it goes toward a bottle of booze, or maybe it, it you know, maybe that person is perfectly housed. But isn't that my choice? Isn't that yeah. my choice? And sometimes. Uh, somebody just wants to feel good. And whether it's intimidation tactic or not, it's like, stop telling me what to do. When you talk about being like, you know, being someone being afraid because they saw a, ma- a homeless person urinate on the street because they don't have a bathroom to go some to go to or, or you know, cursing in front of a child or something. Those things scare me. Uh, not at all, but all, definitely scare me a lot less than Masterson saying that he was like very impressed with um, what California has been doing with homelessness. And he talked about how he thought it was great that they're expanding conservatorships. And that law that he's talking about would allow um, any anyone suspected of mental illness to be detained against their will and forced into treatment. That scares me a lot more than I, seeing someone without a bathroom peeing downtown. You know, like that scares me a lot more. And again, it's that stereotype of mental illness as opposed to mm-hmm. the economic conversation of yes. those folks who are the working poor. Uh, Joe mm-hmm. Evans is without a home. He is fully employed and he will tell us that he is fully employed Employed, he can't afford to uh, to uh, find a place with uh, with uh, manageable rent, let alone a mar- mortgage right now, and that's not an unusual scenario. Masterson does seem to be taking this harder line tactic um, that I think he thinks is going to pay off, and it'll be interesting to see. Let's go back though, four years. Where to, where was the uh, turning point of Beater versus McLean? It was that uh, attack ad that said that Lauren McClain, you know, Boise would become a tent city. It what you know, the homelessness bat was wielded, right? And who would have guessed that here we are with this debate over folks without a home could be the wedge issue in this election. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You brought up attack ads, and I wanted to say it's really interesting because I happened to catch Mayor McLean's new campaign ad. Mm-hmm. I was watching something on KTVB, and it popped up beforehand. And you know, we had that attack ad uh, that Masterson disowned. That said, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with that. But that sh- you know tried to scarily show McLean at uh, the at Pride essentially, right. and had an anti-LGBTQ. I think message that was like and- the Builders Group uh, Political Action Committee. Yeah, right. some PAC did it. But the interesting thing to me is, so in McLean's ad, which, by the way, I have uh, worked on every angle of commercials. I've been in them. I've written them. I've filmed them. I've helped edit. Like, I've, I have a lot of experience. So, I w- number one, uh, just objectively, very good commercial is what I thought, especially uh, when I saw, you know, 
she's seeing that McLean is doing a lot of attack stuff. And she was, I think, I think whether you like Lauren McLean or not, she does seem to know the vibe of Boise. And the vibe of Boise is we want to feel like we're good, nice people yeah. a lot of the time. And this ad is is speaking to that very much. But she went ahead and she included a clip of herself at Pride in the parade and owned that, which I thought was a really, really smart tactic to take there. Instead of being like, oh, oh I'm distancing myself from Pride, just being like, yeah, I was there. I marched in the parade. What do you think? Do you think that's smart? Do you think that's a smart angle to take? It's so interesting. I had a conversation this past weekend uh, with an acquaintance who is very conservative, far right conservative. And uh, he was uh, weighing in on this campaign. And you can imagine you know, where he was leaning. And he said, with one exception, with one exception, he says, I just don't get that attack ad on Lauren McLean in the Pride uh, you know, parade. He says, that's crazy. He said, it's like, you know, most people on both sides of the aisle, at least here in Boise, it's like, yeah, that just doesn't work for me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I think you're spot on with this. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think attacking Lauren McLean marching in a pride parade wins over any votes. Anyone who was going to vote against her because of that, uh, you know, that that vote's already against her. It's gone. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. And her showing herself in the pride parade, uh, pride parade, objectively looking cute as heck, honestly, because she has this little bobble like hat thing on and she's waving and she's waving. And I was like, all you did was give her the ideas like, oh, you know what? I should include that clip. Thank you so much. <laughs> I thought that was I was like, oh, you really whoever's helping Masterson with his campaign in some ways, I feel like just maybe just maybe is like, oh, I'm I'm trying to pitch this to 2007 Boise. You know, taking the temperature this week, mm -hmm. my sense from the McLean and Masterson campaigns is they're getting pretty edgy, uh, mm -hmm. which is to say nervous. And my sense is they're getting nervous about the possibility of a runoff uh, for different reasons. And when they start pointing to uh, Aaron Reese or Joe Evans, you know, well, between the two of them, if they get maybe four or five percent of the vote or more more, the chances of a runoff election become greater uh, with every passing day. And that's where that's where I, I'm sensing this nervousness and and this prickliness is mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're they're not crazy about the fact that Aaron Reese or Joe Evans get any attention at all at you know, but you know, guys, oh, by the way, oh, I want to share one thing with you. We mentioned oh, we, we mentioned that uh, uh, event where uh, this, this homelessness debate kind of bubbled up from. It was a Boise State event. I was interviewing Joe Evans last weekend, and at the end of the interview, we we're just talking off the record. And I said, "So, you know, how are you getting the word out? You have little to no campaign funds." And he said, "Well, I kind of count on." these public events like City Club. And I said, well, yeah, but th those are over, right? And he said, no, there's one coming up on Monday at Boise State that I'm not invited to. I said, oh, hmm. talk to me about that. What? It, because I didn't even know about the event. He said, yeah, it's the, the Student Government Association, ASBSU. And I said, so what happened? And he said, well, I, I wondered why I wasn't invited. And I sent an email to them and they sent me a long letter 
uh, saying, yeah, we have our own criteria or whatever. And he said, I'll forward you the email. So I actually have the email. And I read it, and yeah, it was pretty much, you know, where they said, no, we've just determined that the, the top two candidates, blah, blah, blah. So hmm. Now I had their email. So I sent an email uh, to them on Saturday, that, that as soon as we, I was done talking to Joe Evans, just saying, can you tell me who's invited, who's not, and what your criteria is? Two hours later, I get an email saying, we have now extended our invitation to all four candidates. <laughs> um, and indeed, they had. And all four did participate on Monday. I, you know, and it's like, guys, you know what? I, I, you know, I realize your intention is to maybe focus on who you consider to be the top two candidates. And probably a lot of people might consider that. But, you know, doesn't that become a distraction when you choose not to invite people? Doesn't that become a topic when you choose not to invite people? Are you telling voters how they, you know, what kind of uh, attention should be, you know, you know, should be paid here? Um, so I, I found that really interesting. Soon thereafter, I started hearing from different campaigns about, ah, oh, we're just, you know, why, why do Aaron Reese and Joe Evans get any attention, et cetera? And I'm thinking it had a lot to do with the fact that, well, all four of them are on literally equal footing on a stage at a podium, right? You got to state your case. If there's 12 people, if there's two people, if there's 100 people, state your case. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I was glad to see all four of them at that debate, actually. Didn't know you had a little hand in it. <laughs> I, well, I, 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 all I did, all I do is ask questions for a living, right? Uh, so, but I found it really interesting. Can you tell us about this uh, burglary suspect that especially sounds like young women need to keep an eye out for? Yeah. Uh, so uh, what piqued my interest is, I mean, unfortunately, on any given day, there are a lot of burglaries that are being uh, investigated or cases closed, et cetera. But something's up here. Um, what we have is uh, a serial uh, criminal, a, ser a, a suspect here. And I talked to the head of the uh, investigation division, basically the head of detectives for Boise Police. And he said, yeah, we had a couple of break-ins in the Boise State area but then we had a couple of other break-ins in other areas, and we started comparing. It's like, hold it, this looks similar, this looks similar. So there are so many parts of this that are disturbing. Number one, the suspect walks right by, and, and not just once, but you know, this is his M.O. He walks right by purses, wallets, cash, and jewelry, right? And hmm. almost always goes to clothing. Uh, female clothing, and quite often undergarments. Um, number two, broad daylight, broad daylight. Number three, knowing that in a number of these locations, there are surveillance cameras, pretty brazen, because the images of this guy are out there. And there's even a video of him that's out there. I know we-, we I You put can it see his at, face too, pretty yeah, well. Like yeah. he's- so pretty recognizable. So I, I asked the detective, I said, okay, you do this for a living. I mean, you know, is this, can I, I realize I'm an amateur, but isn't this pathological? And he's like, yeah, he goes, this guy, we are concerned about where this go. This could escalate. This could really escalate. So yes, he is targeting young women. Uh, and that's the other common thread is that these apartments and or homes are young women. So chances are, He's casing them, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, to the vernacular. He's checking them out. 
And whether the women are home or not, uh, he has actually been seen by at least one of the women. So there's another thing, right? Stalking or attempted stalking. Uh, yeah, these are, in one cases, he actually stole a weapon from inside someone's home. Uh, so yeah, do we need to, uh, everyone should lock their doors. A lot of people like to think that Boise is incredibly safe, et cetera. But yeah, lock your doors. Uh, do young women need to uh, be, you know, extra vigilant? Unfortunately, yes. But I'm what really piques my interest here is the brazenness of someone like this, who clearly doesn't think he'll ever get caught. And yeah. uh, the criminal mind does escalate uh, when um, things like this get out of hand and if and when they try to capture him. So the fact that we're talking about more than several instances, this is a problem. And so, yeah, I'm not normally covering you know the burglary beat or anything like that. This is something that we need to really pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good heads up there, I think, especially for a lot of young women living alone. And, um, and, and it seems like he's kind of staying in one area. No. Is that right? No. No. He's all over town. Yeah, the, okay. Yeah, the, Extra scary. The sergeant said, yeah, we should just consider it the city. Okay. Well, good to know. Good information. I don't want to end us on that scary, uh, awful note. So you said you're doing something fun this weekend. What are you doing? I am doing something fun. So Killers of the Flower Moon is opening mm -hmm. a big, big film. Martin Scorsese film is opening uh, this weekend. And of course, it was a bestseller book. And mm -hmm. so there is there are so many book clubs in Boise, right? Uh, one of them is specifically is a book club uh, that uh, gets together and talks about books that have been uh, turned into movies or that are about to be turned into movies. So a book club has asked me to go with them uh, this weekend and facilitate a conversation at the flick. So we're, we're all going to see the movie together. Now, I've seen the movie. I've, I've, I saw a private screening a couple months ago, and I've certainly read the book. And the book and the movie are somewhat different. So I think a lot of these people are going to be a little surprised at just how, the lens that it looks through, right? And the movie is epic, and it is a fine adaptation. So I've been asked to uh, facilitate that, and you know how much I love movies, and uh, so I thought that 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 was going to be kind of fun. And so, yeah, we're just going to go to a public screening uh, uh, matinee on Saturday at the Flicks, and uh, that'll be kind of fun. Fun. Yeah. That does sound fun. Yeah. All right. What are you doing? Gosh, what? A, um, I am actually going um up to. My family has some cabins up in High Valley. Oh, wow. I'm going up there to hang out with my mom and dad and my aunt uh, for I, at least one night. I don't know that I can stay the whole time, but I just wanted to get out of town for a minute, even though I've only been back for a week and a half. But still, I just wanted to go see the leaves and, you know, get up to the crisp fall air. It's been too hot. It's been too hot down here for me. I'm ready for actual fall. Hot? Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I'm ready for fall. I'm ready for it to get crisp. Oh, it's going like, to get crisp. I've got my sweaters out. It's going to get crisp real fast. Do you see this cute sweater I'm wearing? Wow. I have been dying. I've been waiting. Yeah. And it's way too hot. I'm boiling right now in this sweater. But I put it on anyway because I was like, it's cute. I'm ready for fall. I'm ready. I got my I got my winter clothes boxes out of the basement. 
I'm ready, George. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. All right, George. Thanks so much. And uh, I hope you have a lot of fun at your book slash movie screening and this weekend. I hope you and your family just are in each other's embrace and just adore this just wonderful fall weekend. Oh, thanks, George. With some cider. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show was produced by Evelyn Avitia, A.K. Al Mutman, Grant Irving, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with help this week from Natalia Aldana and Adrian Gonzalez. And our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye. Bye.